This weekend, I'm talking about the mission of Embassy City Church. The mission of Embassy City Church. Uh, a lot of people uh, wait until uh, month of January to be, um, uh, you know, to cast vision and to uh, really rally up uh, their congregation and say, hey, this is the vision and we want to go out and do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I felt like he wanted me to share the mission and the vision uh, in the month of December. Just so you know, the month of uh, January, we're doing a series on evangelism. And so we're sending uh, all of our residents out in the month of January to be evangelists. Um, not like they're only going to do it for the month of January, but our emphasis is uh, in the month of January, we want you to go out uh, and invite somebody to church. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, January is the only month of the year uh, that the power of suggestion is responded to more than any other month. Uh, the, the easiest time to be an evangelist is going to be the month of January. You could just go to work and go, would you come to church with me this weekend? And they'll be like, you know what, I, have made, I do need to make a change. <laughs> They've already bought a gym, gym membership and said they're going to change your diet. Why not go to church too? So you don't even need bait. You don't need a fishing hook. You don't need a net. If you just ask somebody to come to church in the month of January, they're going to come. Okay? And so we want to empower you to be able to do that, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is going to give us some messages in the month of January that allow people to uh, come into a relationship from just exploring God to really seeking Him uh, for who He really is, okay? And so uh, today, we're going to talk about the mission of Embassy City Church. So I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 9, where you're going to... Uh, uh, Peter 2, 9, uh, I, uh, the original uh, writing of the vision, I'm, I'm sorry, of the mission of Embassy City Church was that we exist to graciously represent the kingdom of God to unbelievers and make believers ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Uh, and over the next uh, several months, as we began to kind of clarify what that really meant, we, I realized uh, that uh, some of that verbiage can be a little bit confusing, that we, we exist to graciously represent the kingdom of God. And so uh, as I search scripture some more, because I like simple, I don't know, anybody else like me, you just need it simple. I just really, you know, I don't need it complicated. And so uh, I went back through and started reading some more scriptures, and verse number nine really clarified it for me. So, so just so you know, uh, the, the, the mission of Embassy City Church is uh, to show kindness to unbelievers, to show God's goodness and kindness to unbelievers, uh, and to make believers ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And so uh, here's what it says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But you are not like that, and he's saying, but you are not like that in context to people who have rejected Jesus Christ. He's saying, you are not like those that have rejected Jesus Christ. For you are a chosen people, you are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's pray over the word before we jump into it, shall we? Bow your heads. Holy Spirit, uh, thank you for keeping us on our mission. Amen. No, I pray quick. There you go. Uh, so point number one, write this down, show God's goodness to unbelievers. It's, it's a two-part. If somebody asks you, hey, what's the mission of Embassy City Church? To show God's goodness to unbelievers. 
And we have scripture for that. Because of what God has done in our lives, because he has made us and chosen us as a people, he considers us royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result of that, as a result of being identified as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ, here's what he says. You can show others the goodness of God. Here's what that uh, definition of goodness is, excellence of character. You may not know this or not, but the only way that God has to show his love and express it in a very full context to people is to use other people. God is not going to uh, uh, isolate us from people to express his love to us. When he really wants to show us how much he loves us, he puts us around people and expresses his love to us through them. Remember, it was in Genesis chapter number two uh, that God said it is not good for man to be alone. And many of us love to use this particular uh, passage or, or, or that phrase as, you know what, this is why people should just be married. You know, it's not good for man to be alone. But, but there's a broader context to that. And it's not that, that man should not be alone and he has to hurry up and find a spouse. It's also man should not be out of relationship with his fellow man. You need to be in community if you're really going to understand the full measure of God's love for us. Now, what makes that difficult is that because we live, as uh, Michael Exum said earlier, in a fallen, broken world, the enemy uh, 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 loves to take broken people who are hurting and hurt other people because they're hurt. You've heard the saying that hurt people hurt people. But free people, free people. <laughs> and so there's always a yin to that yang. And so we have to surround ourselves with people who express God's love in a healthy way without manipulation, without control, without a bunch of demands being made so that we can see the full expression of what that looks like in the earth. If anyone's going to see God's love, they're going to have to see it through us. And so we get to show God's goodness to unbelievers because of how good he has been to us. Go to uh, the book of Acts, chapter number 10. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, the verse, uh, 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 verse number 38, Acts 10, verse number 38 says this. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around, underline this if this is not underlined in your Bible. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Do you know the overwhelming majority of God's ministry through Jesus in the earth was just doing good? Christ healed a lot of people. A lot of people got their eyes open. A lot of people uh, 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 got healed of leprosy. There were, there were people that were blessed with food. But, but you know, overwhelming, the, the, the majority of God's love to us through Jesus was the fact that he just wanted to do good. There's a reason why so many mass groups of people were following him everywhere, because he was a good guy. And I don't know if you know this or not, but like people like good people. 
They don't care what religion you are. They don't care what your background is. They don't care what denomination you came from. If you're a nice person, people just go, that person's nice. Yeah, but they're a Christian. So what? They're nice. (laughs) I, I didn't ask about what their faith was. That's just a nice guy. People respond to goodness. And when we, get to be the op- when we get to be the people that express God's goodness, the excellence of his character, it is, it is overriding how we feel to allow God to express his love for others through us. Go to uh, Luke chapter number six. Luke chapter number six, starting at the 27th verse. <laughs> oh, I love this. Luke 26 starting, I'm sorry, Luke 6 starting at the 27th verse. Uh, But you who are willing to listen, I love how Jesus words stuff because he knows this is going to be shocking to some. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, exclamation mark. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Some of y'all are going to pass out on verse 29. If someone slaps you on the cheek, (laughs) offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. (laughs) Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those that do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will, be truly, you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Do you know when we look the most like God's kids? When we love people who are seemingly unlovable. When we express our love to people that you would rather just go, you know what, you have a special case of ruditis. And I'm giving myself permission to back back about 50 feet, okay? Here's the truth of the matter. We look more and more like God the more and more we draw closer to people and be nice to people who should not be loved. Yesterday, we had the opportunity to go uh, to a shelter and feed the homeless. Uh, It's something that we used to do a lot when we were kids. My mom uh, worked for the LAPD for 30 years. Uh, She drove the bus down, uh, and about five blocks away, she would have to walk through Skid Row uh, to get down to uh, Parker Center, where she worked. So uh, many nights, there would be an assembly line of bread, peanut butter and jelly, and brown paper bags. And we would make triple-decker peanut butter and jelly sandwiches uh, for about two hours. And my mom would have bags and bags and bags. And what she would do is she would take as many as she could carry five days a week, 
And from the time she got off the bus, the five block walk to her building, she just passed out these brown paper bags to homeless people that were sleeping on the bus stop, sleeping on the floor. When they woke up, they had a meal, something that would stick to their ribs. Amen, peanut butter and jelly. So yesterday, uh, we have, for the first time, the opportunity to take our boys uh, at an age that they could really contextualize it and take them down so they could serve other people. And we were in South Dallas, and we went to this shelter, and we were there for about two hours, and we fed all these people that walked in. And uh, what was beautiful was, uh, you guys already know how I'm wired, uh, I'm hugging people, and I'm kneeling down, I'm looking them right in the eyes, and everybody had to wear name tags, and so I'm looking people in their eyes, I'm like, hey, Chris, how you doing? And he, you know, he kind of looks up like, why are you bothering me? I'm eating. <laughs> and I would just look him in the eye and say, I love you. And I would, like, purposely make it awkward. Not like the, hey, love you, man, glad you're here. I mean, kneel down, look him straight in his eyes, and go, hey, Chris, I love you, man. <laughs> See, you feel awkward. <laughs> and so he would be like, I love you, too. This guy's creepy. <laughs> I knew I was, I was consciously aware of something in that moment that God wanted to use me to express his love to Chris. And I wasn't going to get up until he felt that this wasn't just something I was saying because I'm serving for two hours. I don't know anything about you and I don't need to, I love you. And the reason why I can say that with a surety and it's not just lip service is because this is the way God feels about you. And you may have a very difficult time hearing his voice tell you that you are loved. And so until you can hear that for yourself, until you have obstacles out of your way, addictions out of your way, habits out of your way that allow you to hear God's voice clearly, until you can hear him, hear me. I love you. If there's anything that you need, I'm here to serve you. There were people that walked in there that were of different faiths. There were people uh, that walked in there that were of different sexual orientations. It didn't matter. I love you. <laughs> Who else does he have but us to express that? It is absolutely asinine for us to think as believers that if we wave a shaky hand and say, Lord, help him to understand your love, and you never say hi. You think by osmosis, <laughs> the Lord's just going to come down in physical form? He already did that. When he comes back again, he's going to blow a trumpet. He's going to be on a white horse, and we're all going home. Till then, he has us. Well, I'm just not a personable person. You're just not dead yet. I'm not really a people person. You're just not completely dead yet. <laughs> Your flesh still wants to have some excuse about whatever pain pains you. When the truth of the matter is, he wants all of us so he can go get all of them. Okay? So uh, there is a, uh, th there's two things. People remember two things. I want you to write this down. People remember two things. 
our words. It says it right there in 628, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. They remember our deeds. Luke 6:27, do good to those who hate you. That's what people remember. They remember our words, the stuff that we say, and they remember what we do. They remember how they were made to feel. I've had so many people come into a relationship with uh, God, not because I led them. I don't even say that. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I take things very literally. I'm, I'm a literalist. And so it's hard for me to say I won somebody to the Lord. I just know the Bible too much to think I won them. I, I just can't win anybody to the Lord. I can represent him well, though. And what I love to do with people, and I just like to do this in general, is I love to destroy stereotypes. I just love to obliterate them. Lord, will you use me to obliterate a stereotype today? Lord, if there's a picture that people have in their minds of what Christians are like, I pray that you would use me to completely blow that up today so that the next time they try to use that as an excuse or a reason to justify why they would never go to church, the Holy Spirit can bring back to them, but there was that one guy. I don't want to reinforce the stereotype. I want to blow it to smithereens. And you only do that by opening yourself up to say, I will show God's goodness. Goodness, thank you, Holy Spirit, that's even better. I give permission to the Holy Spirit to show God's excellent character through me today. I'm tired. I still give God full permission to show his goodness to me today. I'm really not in the mood. I got a lot of problems going on in my own life. God, I still give you full permission to use me to express your goodness in the earth today. So some of you are going, how do you, you can't hate your, I mean, I, it can't be nice to my enemies. They're my enemies. I don't like them. They deleted me from Facebook. <laughs> we were friends two days ago, and then all of a sudden, I just saw a little gray empty space. The picture's gone, profile pic, can't get access to them. My feelings are hurt. They posted something. We just had a conversation a day ago. It sounded like in the post that they were referring to a conversation, and I'm mad. That's how petty we've gotten. I want you to know that. We don't have conversations anymore. We read posts and go, I don't think you were talking to me. Hate you. And we have a, we have a growing uh, theology in church that I'm very, very afraid of. It's called, I refer to it as the hater theology. And the hater theology, uh, the way that it's communicated and preached is, uh, God's going to bless you so that your haters will know that you shouldn't have been messed with. God's about to do something in your life and your haters are gonna realize they should have never messed with you in the first place. God's gonna allow you to eat a chicken fried steak at the table in front of your haters and he's gonna sew their mouth shut so they can watch you eat while they starve to death. Tell your haters bye-bye. Tell your haters, well, I don't want to see you anymore. Tell your haters, thanks for hating me. It's because you hated me that I'm going to the next level. No, stop. That's not in there. <laughs> That's not 
in there. That entire theology is built off of pain, <laughs> not wholeness. Do you know what people who are whole say to their haters? I love you. I'm praying for you. I don't know why you hate me that much, but I'm just going to keep loving you and praying for you until you look more like Jesus tomorrow than you do today. A whole healed believer prays for their haters because Jesus told us to. They don't try to strut with pride to show how much they're blessed in front of their haters to rub it in their face. Oh, and let me kind of remind you, God loves haters. So the, the, the theology is incongruent with scripture because God actually loves the person that you want him to attack. And how do I know that? Because he loved us first. And when he was on that cross, we were all enemies of the cross. He didn't wait until we made a decision to die for us. He died for us in hopes that we would make the decision. Well, I'll be very honest with you. Um, I'm a very communicative person. I'm a very relational person. And so uh, whenever I have a conflict or tension with an individual, I have to talk about it. I don't know what it is. I'm not attracted to tension and drama, but I like to, again, obliterate it. So if I feel any tension in the air, I'll be like, hey, what's wrong? Let's have a conversation. And sometimes it was difficult to have a conversation with somebody who was maliciously attacking me or a person that would lie, on, lie to me in front of my face, or I, I've been uh, in uh, positions where, where I was uh, at my place of employment, and somebody would tell a bold-faced lie to the supervisor about me, and it was absolutely not true, and the Holy Spirit's telling me, shut up. Don't defend yourself. And I'm like, but I talk for a living. <laughs> I, can go, I can get them, Jesus. I'll do it in Jesus' name, but I can, come on, let me at them. Can I, I'll just bark, I won't bite. Can I, get, can I do something? And he's like, no, you can't do anything. So I went home one day and I said, this ain't fair. I gotta love all these people, they're lying on me, and I gotta still smile, this is ridiculous. I'm sick of this. And I said, Lord, how am I supposed to do this? And of course, why do you ask that question? And get up and have devotion with him? Because if you keep reading that Bible, he will answer your question. <laughs> if you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you can't continue to meet with him on a daily basis, you will run across something in this book that will answer your question. This question is found, the answer to this question was found for me in Proverbs 25. Go to there. Proverbs 25. Ooh, somebody going to get free today. <laughs> Here you go, Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22. If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. You will heap burning coals of shame on their heads, and the Lord will reward you. I have a very vivid imagination. And so the first time the Lord uh, led me to this verse, and I really understood it in context to uh, what I was dealing with, with people that were very, very obstinate, I started to ask myself some questions. I said, Lord, okay, you know, again, I'm literal, so uh, let me get this straight. If I give my enemy some food 
and I give them some water to drink, you're telling me that uh, I will heap burning hot coals of shame on their head and you'll reward me for that? Okay, so let me get this straight. Okay, so like, like if I was at a barbecue, right? And I was grilling and I had put a lot of lighter fluid on the charcoal and it was like, like white hot and I was scooping it up and it was just really fiery, flaming and, and, and uh, my enemy wanted something to eat. Do you mean to tell me like if I made them a burger, right, uh, and got them a refreshing drink, that it would also basically equate to me scooping up hot coals and putting them on his forehead and listening to it sizzle? Sorry, that's too much information. <laughs> and you'll reward me for that? Yeah, yeah, Tim. That's kind of like what it is. I was like, oh. <laughs> this is great. Because see, here's the thing. When, uh, what, 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 what bothers someone who is being unjustly, um, uh, you, you know, uh, lied to or, or taken advantage of is, are you telling me I don't get to retaliate? I'm, I'm from California. We retaliate <laughs> in Southern California, okay? In Texas, too. So, do I get to retaliate? He said, he said, yes, here's how you retaliate. Be nice. And you will burn them up more with the shame of being nice to them than if you were to repay them with being evil to them. That's what they expect. That's how they perpetuate their cycle of pain. That's how they justify continuing to stay toxic. They feed off hatred. There's only one thing that kills hatred, and that's love. Once I understood that, I started making a beeline for the people that I know didn't like me. <laughs> there's, nothing, <laughs> ooh, there's nothing more fulfilling than, than going to hug a Christian who hates you. I'm telling you, it's because they're trying to reconcile how to still like put on a Jesus face and hate at the same time. And so you put your arms around them and you squeeze them and they do that, crab. <laughs> oh, you. Praise the Lord to you too. And I walk away and in my mind, all I hear is <laughs> You're burning, I'm so happy. Who else can I get, Jesus? How that person lied to me? I'm buying you a watch. A nice watch, a really nice watch. Go to the restaurant. Your service was horrible. Here's a hundred dollar tip. See, you would give a penny. So you would let them know you were horrible. I'm gonna give you a hundred dollars and let you deal with the fact that you were horrible and got blessed anyway. Because here's the truth of the matter. Maybe a year from now, you'll realize that that $100 tip pales in comparison to the extravagant gift that God gave through his son on the cross. You didn't deserve the $100, and you did not deserve someone to die for you to put you back in a relationship with Jesus Christ.
we get to show God's goodness. And it means that you have to swallow what you would like to do and respond in a way that God would like to respond. Oh, that's point number one. Point number two, write this down. <laughs> I could have an altar call off that first point. Everybody would be like, okay, Jesus, I'm sorry. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of you all have to forgive somebody. Hear me, and I don't want you to make a resolution. Resolutions are broken in 90 days. I just want you to open up your heart and say, Lord, teach me how to love the unlovable. Because it might be your mom. <laughs> it could be your sibling. Somebody has to call the truce. And do you know who God sends in to bring peace during times of conflict? Ambassadors. And if you're going to be here serving in the embassy, <laughs> we're going to function as ambassadors and find ways to live peaceably with all men. Point number two, we make believers ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We show God's goodness to unbelievers. We make believers ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 20. It's one of our anchor scriptures. So we are Christ ambassadors. Would you say that with me? I am Christ ambassadors. I am Christ ambassador. I am Christ ambassadors. I am Christ ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. My little boys, I taught them about being ambassadors and at a level that they can understand at seven and five. I said, hey, what does it mean to be an ambassador? I, <laughs> don't ask my kids that because they will scream for the next five minutes. Come back to God. 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 Like, they don't stop. So they don't answer your question. They're like, oh, <laughs> did you ask me that? You wanted to know the answer. Come back to God. It's like 10 minutes you hear me in the back playing video games. Come back to God. That's what we get to do as ambassadors. We get to call people back to God, into a relationship with God. And here is the definition of ambassador. A diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by one sovereign or state to another as its resident representative. There's a reason why we don't call the uh, uh, people at Embassy City Church members. We call them residents. Why? Because we get to be representatives of heaven to earth. And as ambassadors, we have an incredible opportunity to draw people back to God by the way that we live. And so we are training people here to leave the embassy and go be ambassadors. Not just good Christians. Be nice. No, we want to change the paradigm of thought. We don't want uh, your, your, your faith to be a weekend, casual experience. 
I get to be around some smart people now, and they do all these studies and demographics of different areas. And, and, and the, mo- the majority of the people in the mid-cities that live in Irving and mid-cities and Arlington, you know what they want their faith experience to be like? Recreational. I just want to come to church, feel good, go home. You probably won't be here long. <laughs> My first point already killed at least 30 people in the room. I got to be nice to people. Okay, if you say so. We don't want you to simply recreationally come to church. That the only time you open your Bible is on Sundays. That the only time that you are uh, uh, engaging with people of faith and sharing your faith is on Sundays. We want it to be a lifestyle for you. So let me give you a couple of things that ambassadors are not and a couple of things that they are. Ambassadors are not political. I'm going to say that again. Ambassadors are not political. Ambassadors are not politicians. Politicians have an agenda. They're trying to reinforce their party. They want to make sure that that they can strengthen their party's base, their ideologies. Ambassadors only repeat whatever their home country says. They're not politicians. They don't have an opinion. Ambassadors do not have an opinion. Ambassadors are diplomatic with their faith and lastly are loyal to their home country. They're diplomatic with their faith. Let me tell you what that means. When you act in diplomacy, you're always choosing your words carefully so that you can negotiate peace. Politicians are inflammatory. They really don't care what they say as long as it strengthens their party. I I don't want us to be categorized as political. If we have civic leaders come into our service, I want them to experience God's presence. I don't want them to think that they'll have our vote if they say the right things. We pray for them because we know that God is the one that puts civic leaders in place. But if they come into here, we want them to realize, oh my goodness, I'm in a different space. I can't come in there and greet them and convince them to do something for me because they're not political. Diplomacy says, I'm going to find a way to get along with everybody. When we first came into the community, um, I got the list of all the churches in Irving. I just began calling people, calling the pastors. Can I, can I meet with you? Can I visit with you? Uh, I also reached out to uh, the two imams that have Islamic centers here. There's one in Valley Ranch, and there's one, a huge one, uh, off of um, uh, 183 in Esther's. Neither one of them responded, but I did reach out. And I will reach out again, not to sit down and debate. But if we're serving this community together, I would like to know those that labor among us. And I believe I can sit down with a Muslim and have a very peaceful conversation and just exchange and find out, hey, how can we serve the community together? I know you don't believe what we believe. I'm never going to believe what you believe. uh, And I'm praying that you would see the truth. 
But in light of that, I'm just going to love you because you're my neighbor. That requires spending more time here and less time watching the news. Because if that's what's shaping your paradigm, it's going to be hard to look at anybody without forming a bias in your mind, reinforced by a narrative that's being pumped on a 24-hour news cycle. Pick which one you want. I want to read you Acts chapter number 4. If you go there, Acts chapter number 4, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the numbers of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? They had, uh, through the power of Jesus Christ, healed a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That sounds like a diplomat to me. Boldly declaring the truth as an ambassador of Jesus Christ to the very people that killed their Lord and Savior. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. I love this part. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Do you know that there is a difference between somebody that goes to school to study theology and someone who's been with Jesus? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Unbelievers can recognize when you've been with Jesus. And they can also recognize when you've just been in a religion. And they're usually turned off by the latter. They said, these guys, I don't understand these guys. They look like ordinary fishermen, but you can tell they've been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, he'll always provide proof, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. 
For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had to say. What they, uh, what they, ha- what they heard when they heard the report, uh, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with Feudal plans, the king, the kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and his Messiah and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governors, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against, were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. That's what we get to do as ambassadors. We get to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord with boldness, not just to people who agree and are amicable to our faith, but also to people who are vehemently opposed to it. Our mission, if you choose to accept it, is to show goodness to unbelievers. And as a community, make ambassadors out of believers for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I'm so amazed by how God speaks to us and how he wants to communicate to us through scripture. I don't believe that the mission of Embassy City Church is unique to our church I believe uh, every church, if you got down to the core of what they were called to do, it would be the same thing. They might say it in a different way, but it's the exact same thing. We're going to show God's goodness to unbelievers. We're going to make believers ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That's our assignment. You know what our vision is? To see people saved, discipled, and serving. Our mission? Let's show God's goodness. Let's let it radiate through us. If there's any part of our life that's blocking God's goodness from coming out in full measure, let's get prayer for it and get healed from it so we can go out and be who he called us to be. So in a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to sing one last song. And during that time, we're going to all stand up. And if you need prayer for any reason, we're going to ask you to come. If there was a part of this message that really kind of tugged at your heart. I don't want pride to get in the way of your freedom. And so if you need prayer, I invite you to come. If you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to come. If you need to forgive someone, if you just need to let it go, if you just need to drop something at this altar, whatever you need prayer for, we're going to ask you to come. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person that needs prayer In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Would you stand to your feet?